0: To Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by The Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, AKA Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 73. Let's roll right into the Super Bowl. We're just a few short days away from, uh, I guess, crowning Joey Burr. I think that's uh, that's kind of the indoctrination here. I think that's what's happening, right? It's the uh, Brady 2.0. Who knows? We're going to find out. We're going to talk about that and much more. But uh, you know, this week I've got a college football—I don't know—expert. Certainly, <laughs> uh, this week, uh, yeah, he's laughing like expert. I think that's me. I think that's the, who I'm uh, who I'm talking about. Uh, actually, a guy I've listened to for a little while here, uh, you know, over at Rotoviz Radio. Uh, y'all have heard of Rotoviz. Rotoviz has been doing it right for a long period of time. They've got a lot of great analysts, and you know, certainly something that uh, you know we at the Undroppables aspire to for sure. Rotoviz does a great job. Rotoviz.com and. Uh Travis May is gonna join me today. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. He does the College to Canton um podcast on Roadoviz. And uh you can hear him there. And he's got a lot of great takes. You're gonna hear it today. And I'm gonna pick his brain about the college uh prospects for the 2022 class. Without further ado, Travis May, what's up, Travis?
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always always good to talk some 2022. Prospects and uh, every year thereafter, I like to take a look ahead and really dig into the college game. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that wasn't always, you know, like my, my bread and butter, but, you know, I, you always find or at least try to find a niche, right? And so yeah. I, I've kind of become that college guy, you know, that, that lives in all the nerdy numbers in, in that space. And I, I love talking about it. So thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, we, we can talk some Super Bowl if, if you want to. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not there with you. I, I think, or at least I hope, Matthew Stafford actually gets one because, I mean, the, the Lions wasted his entire career. He needs one. I mean, he needs something to hang his hat on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, that the Lions fans are cheering for this one. It's it's pretty interesting. It's like the Lions, the 14 uh, Los Angeles Ram fans that that exist, and that's <laughs> it, you know? And then yeah. the whole rest of the world is 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 rooting for Joey Burr.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm So I'm a Titans fan, and I'm not sure Titans fans are. They're like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> if, if we, oh, if we just won that game, we might be there, you know, like that thought so, process. It's so, so bad. Uh it's just, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That game, the, the
0: Titans game was winnable. I thought the, I thought the chiefs Bengals game was sort of the Bengals won it more like quote unquote fair and square, but you know, you guys just gave it to them. You know, a lot of Tannehill, just mistakes. Oh man. Just and, oh, yes. man.
1: Gross. Yes. Just gross. Yeah. I was there. It was, uh yeah. Oh, that must've been a brutal game to be at. It was. But, you know, it was a great experience. I was there with my dad. It was, it was a fun time, but also yes. terribly sad. So
0: Yes. I, but we can move on. It, yeah, but. it's hard to go to, to, <laughs> to home playoff losses uh, when you're an NFL fan. That's really tough, especially as the one seed. I mean, that's just – yeah, that's a tough spot. So, um, But here we are, right? And so, um, you know, I think that I, I, I've got your answer. Um, you know, I think the Rams are favored. I think, you know, if we want to get geeky about the game for a second, I mean, the one – You know, I know everybody's talking about it, but I think it's a big deal is that Rams defensive line against the, you know, Bengals offensive line. I think it's going to be a a big key to the game because you guys I say you guys like you were, you know, you were there. Uh, But the Titans really got to Joey Burrow has sacked him nine times. He he wasn't all that effective. You know, Simmons up the middle is just a he's such a beast, but they have their own beast and Aaron Donald. Uh, How do you see that one shaking out? And do you think it will be the difference in the game?
1: Man, I, I don't like how the Bengals really match up because of what the Rams have done with their defense. And and I think it's really hard to match the, the depth of the receiving core that the Bengals have and Joey Burrow just making plays because yep. he's just been on fire. And and that's yep. fantastic. But, man, the, the Rams, they're creative schematically in general. But then when you, you stack the edges like they have and they have Aaron Donald lining up all over the place and really on the back end, Uh, Now that they've got you know fifty year old Eric Weddle, you know they're patching things up and and they look really good at every level, and so that's why I think I think I like you know if if you're a betting person I kind of like the under, Uh, and I'm not sure I like the 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 full minus four minus four and a half or whatever, but you know it's straight up I I do like the Rams.
0: Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, you know, yeah, it's hard to give four four and a half in a game that's you know most of these games are generally decided by a field goal you know one way or the other you know even when you know teams are getting smashed they come back they make it close
1: (laughs) always somehow it's
0: true right you know I mean you can just see Joey Burrow down 20 and still you know being able to scrap back you know within a touchdown late and who knows what right so it does get a little bit wonky in these games just with the with the offenses the way they're built but um but yeah I think that's you know uh Jalen Ramsey wants to take Jamar Chase and that's all well and good. I mean, someone else is going to have to cover the rest of their weapons and stop the run, etc. I mean, I know Cincinnati is formidable, but their offensive line is probably the well, if not the worst, certainly one of the worst on the short list of worst offensive lines to ever make the Super Bowl.
1: Oh, it, it, hands down, man! Like, yeah. and that's it was so much fun, like seeing nine sacks in one game in, that, right. in the Titans game, and I think that kind of outcome could happen again with, with the Rams. So, Bur- Burrow better, uh, you know be ready because he's going to get a mouthful of yeah, I think
0: if, if uh, exactly i think you're 100 percent i think the only way well not the only way but uh, uh one of the important keys to victory will be slowing down matthew stafford he's been he's been hot uh you know over 70 percent uh completion percentage in the playoffs i think he's got like six touchdowns uh two more on the ground he's been he's been hot so they've been moving the ball obviously you know you may want to cover cooper cup this is I mean, this is advanced stuff here. Maybe. It's advanced stuff, but it's so advanced that they don't do it. It's fucking stupid. You're like, maybe double him, just take him away. Like, what would Bill Belichick do? The old, what would Jesus do? It's like, what would Bill Belichick do? I'm pretty sure he'd, like, make sure Cooper Cup doesn't annihilate him like he's done to the last couple of playoff uh, exits, you know?
1: Yeah, that that, that sounds like a pretty uh, great starting place, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I mean, good grief.
0: He's somewhat uncoverable. I mean, you know, but, I mean... With two guys, you would think you could maybe do something, but um, you know they've got some other weapons, right? I mean, uh, my boy Cam Akers, of course, and you know the running game with Sony Michelle. I mean, they're they're two you know uh, formidable backs. The offensive line has been playing really good. I mean, I I see why the Rams are favored, and if I were just laying the chips down, I'd probably bet on the Rams too. So I'm gonna say it's gonna be 31 to 27 Rams with the with the Bengals with the ball late. And if they can if they can get to 34 31 and win the game that way uh the Simpsons strike again because I think the Simpsons had that like years ago uh Bengal's Rams and uh Bengal's winning 34 31 I saw that on the internet not sure if it's true but I like it
1: yes I do like that too and really just money like money line I know they try to get you to take the underdog all the time but like minus two for a favorite minus 200 isn't bad like that's no. that's where you're gonna find most books so that's not bad at all if you really believe the Rams are gonna win so
0: what do you see as the over under? Do you see that? I, I didn't notice.
1: Yeah, I think most most places it's it's around 48 and a half. You might get a wiggle of a half point here and there, but uh <laughs> it's around 48 and a half, around minus 4, around minus 200ish for favorite, plus 170 for the Bengals. Yeah, you, you know, they make you pay up just a hair on the money line, maybe like minus 115ish max in most places, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's a pr- it's pretty tight. Uh and and you you find that with super bowl super bowl odds, but you know, I'm okay going minus 200.
0: Yeah, I think I like the under first quarter, maybe the over second half. Dude, and there's uh, those, so those many
1: g- props. Like Those games always usually... Fun props.
0: Yeah, there's usually... The, the teams are kind of tight early on. I mean, I'm, it doesn't mm-hmm. always happen that way, but a lot of times it'll start, you know, slow. And then later in the game they start feeling each other out all of a sudden there's a sense of desperation on both sides right like even if you're up you're like oh my god we got to fucking win you know there's that feeling that tense <laughs> right that tension in the air of a super yeah. bowl that's like nothing else man you just can feel it you can see it on the guys faces it's super exciting i can't wait um you know if i'm going to ask you a couple just quick ones off of the uh, the super bowl is uh jamar chase your wide receiver one in dynasty now
1: yeah probably i mean in the only Oops. You know, the only other competitors would be Jefferson. his former teammate. Yeah and, yeah. and Justin Jefferson, like two LSU wide receivers. So yeah, that's pretty incredible.
0: Yes, it is incredible. But if you had to split the difference, are you Chase or Jefferson? I am Chase. I, I am Chase.
1: I think right now. I, and even though, you know, the targets around him are fantastic and that might draw some market share away. Uh, but Jefferson's kind of like in a, an offense that's not super, super high volume anyway. So like they both right. have. Similar, similar concerns for different reasons, but they both have outdone themselves in efficiency anyway, consistently, yeah. and and yes. so long term, I, I love both of them, but I lean Chase.
0: Yes, I'm. I'm with you. It's, I mean, you know, they're. I think they're a tier of their own, and so therefore, whenever you're splitting the difference and stuff like that, it's kind of like, you know, you you take Chase. It's almost like, well, you don't like Jefferson. It's like, dude, no, no, that's all no they're saying.
1: both fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: And uh, you talk about Chase and Jefferson, you mentioned their, you know, um, LSU teammates, their other LSU teammate, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, is on the other side on on, on, on the on the side with him. And, uh, you know, he's he's elevated himself, obviously, in the hearts and minds. But even in Dynasty now, I think we all feel a whole lot more comfortable coming back from the injury, sort of overcoming the offensive line. You know, I think a lot of us, myself included, probably undersold him a little bit because of injury. And then behind that Swiss cheese offensive line kid is a baller. Um, I would ask, where do you have him in your, you know, in your, as as quarterback, what in dynasty?
1: Oh man. You know, it's funny. How high are you
0: willing to put him? Yeah. Sorry. I
1: I think the highest, the highest somebody could argue for him would be quarterback one, but that's not, that's (laughs) not where I have him. I, I would say he's, he's, I think he's top five, you know, like, I don't yep, think that's, I, agree. I don't think that's crazy anymore. And I think if you wanted to try to shove him up even higher than that, you could, but I'm just not sure how much, and maybe it's partially because of, you know, coming off the, uh, the injury and the patchwork offensive line that he just hasn't added a bunch with his legs. He can do that though. Like we saw him do that in college. And so I hope he does, uh, and continue, uh, continues to do that at the NFL level. Yeah, what, what we saw him do in that 2019 season is so rare, like 60 touchdowns, uh, one of the most efficient seasons ever. And one of the things that, the things that I do is I build super nerdy metrics that, that try to predict the future at every position. Uh, but I've really been working in on really honing in on uh, the quarterback position the past couple of years. And if we look at since 2016, you know, unique quarterback seasons of like at least 100 passing attempts, there's like... 900 something instances of that being the case in all of college football at the fbs level and my latest quarterback model would put joe burrow's 2019 season at number one out of yeah. 900 plus and yep. so we knew he was going to hit uh and i'm not sure that we've seen the ceiling just yet so i, I can't wait to see what it looks <laughs> like coming off of a healthy season this year, if he can add some more value with his legs and and continue to be an efficient passer with one of the best receiving cores in the league,
0: yeah, I'm with you 100. percent You know, I, I was saying leading up to that draft with um you know with with C E H and Burrow and Jefferson the year before Chase came out, and I was like, man, there's a lot of good players here. You know, Terrace Marshall wasn't coming out, but he was there. Right, I was like, someone might be not good. I don't know who it is. Like someone got propped up, right? I was wondering who it was going to be. It's like, they can't all be great. Well, it turns out that Jefferson and Chase were so much better than we even really thought. And Burrow was even better than we could have thought. And it was really CEH that was propped up by that team and, you know, was the fool's goal to that whole, whole program, you know, not to say he's bad, but you know, no, I mean,
1: it's just like when you compare uh, that, what he's doing at running back to what, they're doing it wide receiver and quarterback. It's just, okay. Clearly he was the one that was helped out just a yes, little bit.
0: That's right. And, and it was hard to maybe figure that out at, at the time. I mean, it's not like I was saying he's garbage. You no. know, I, I certainly was not, um, CEHRB one. We didn't do that. You know, anyway, I, I didn't do that, but you know, I, I was comfortably drafting him. I thought he was going to be, um, you know, just fine, but obviously he had his issues. That being said, Joey Burrow, for sure. Top five. And, uh, You know, you mentioned something that I really want to talk about, which is your, your process and, and, and some of the things that you've done. I do the, the anatomy series every year, which is a lot of fun, which is really trying to take what things like what you do and what others do that, you know, even, you know, my guys, Michael Duncan and Blake Hampton, you know, you dive real deep, go, go real nitty gritty with the analytics. And sometimes it's, um, you know, not everybody likes that, you know, I love it. (laughs) No, it's true. Right. Like a lot of people like "Ah, that's too much over my head. And so I take anatomy and I try to take that and translate it into a really tangible, easy thing to see, which is fun. And that's why people like it. One of the things I'm going to do is something that I know you didn't invent the damn thing, but I've heard you talk about it and that's yards per team pass attempt from the wide receiver position. It's going in the anatomy series this year. Yeah. Because I think it's really, I don't know about predictive, but it certainly is a highlight of of talent. So it is. Yeah. uh, Tell tell the people a little bit about your process. You can talk about yards per team, pass temp, if you'd like.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I am. It's funny. Like I, among my data nerd friends, I am considered more of a film guy, and among my film friends, I'm definitely more of a data nerd guy. And and the truth is, I live in both spaces, and I enjoy both very much. I love the nitty gritty of uh, film analysis, but I love living in a spreadsheet and building something and trying to create something that's more predictive than anyone else has created before, or maybe at least just tells us a different part of the story, uh, predicts, uh, and maybe maybe it's something that correlates to something that's on film, you know, like, because those are not two completely separate things. Like they just relate directly to each other. They're just different explanations of the same exact thing yes and, and and yards per team pass attempt you mentioned that that particular i say metric well you know it's just a stat it's just it, it is exactly what it sounds like the number of receiving yards per their team's pass attempts that's really hard <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: attempts divided by yards easy. yes that's Boom. right it's super so, simple
1: yes most metrics are more complicated and the beauty of yeah. it is it is exactly what it sounds like and it is also in terms of being predictive and uh, it's one of the best singular variables that we have in terms of predicting both draft capital um, and future NFL performance. It's not perfect. No, no. singular variable is. Uh, most – anytime you, you hear a nerd like me talk about yards per team pass attempt or dominator rating or adjusted production index or whatever else we want to throw out there, most of the time what we're talking about in in by itself doesn't predict – more than like even a quarter of the variance in a player's future fantasy points. Like, exactly. You know? And, and that's yeah. okay. Like the best models plus draft capital seldom predict even half of the variance in a player's future outcome, you know? But we take any bit of information we can and yards per team pass attempt by itself. You don't have to dress it up. You don't have to change it. It does really well. You don't have to rank by it. But I don't think a lot that's of people right. think, well, <laughs> what's a good yards per team pass attempt measure anyway? Um, and simply put, if, if you want to look at like every drafted wide receiver in the last twenty years ish, like a, 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 an average mark for a drafted receiver is like two and a half yards per team pass attempt ish. And like, and if a player should though, if you want to predict, you know, predict a very high hit rate or a higher hit rate, they got to get at least a two point eight, maybe two point nine, maybe three yards per team pass attempt, just from a raw standpoint. Like we don't have to get into all the percentiles and what that means. I'm generally looking for players that are over the three mark if I want to be particularly confident. But I don't use that metric as a way to rank a player. I use it as a threshold assessment. You know, if if they can't get anywhere near that, I'm asking why. I'm not saying that player can't hit, but I am asking why in the world did that not happen? Right. Uh, and sometimes it's because they had two other first rounders on their team, and that's tough to do. But um, most of the time, if a player does break that three mark they're probably at the very least going to get day two draft capital or better which means they have probably a slightly higher hit rate
0: yes and while we're here let's give the, <laughs> the listeners a little bit of porn who is the king of yards per team pass attempt in the 2022 class
1: so uh the king of any kind of production <laughs> profile yeah uh in this class i was i would have to say it's Traylon Burks. Yes. Uh, Like his peak, um, like in terms of like per game, per game numbers in in like any one given season, uh, he he had like 3.8 yards per team pass attempt, which is like way above average, like way above what we looked for. Like nobody else in the entire class that I know of (laughs) has a higher mark than that at the FBS level. Uh, Like there are some good ones like uh, Drake London and his short games, like eight games this last year, like he was 3.25. Really good, like Wendell Robinson for Kentucky, three point yes. six four. Really good. Yes. Uh, you know, great. yeah, great. Even like Garrett Wilson, even though he's splitting targets with Chris Olave, like managed to hit three point two. Very good. All guys above three. All guys that should go pretty early in the NFL draft. But Traylon Burks, that peak, uh, kind of heals everybody else in the class.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, <clears throat> I I do my my film work later uh, in the process than I do earlier in the process, and so I've really done very little. However, I had a question on the show sheet, and the question is, and I'll let you answer it in a second. But the answer, the question was, can Traylon Burks run route, run routes and separate at the NFL level? Because a lot of people say he can't, and so you know, I asked the question on the show sheet, and then Travis. You're never gonna guess what I did today. I did about half of my Traylon Burke's uh, film analysis today, and I'll just say, "Hmm, that was pretty interesting." I'll, I'll let you answer the question, and then I'll tell you what I what I surmised.
1: So Burks is weird, right? From a film perspective, he's like this six three, two hundred almost two hundred thirty pound monster. Who, you know, some people are like. Oh, he's gonna run like four three five. I don't think he's gonna run sub four four, but he's gonna run like sub four five probably. Like he's just a really fast guy at a huge size. It's really, really fun. Um, But no, he doesn't always separate in what he's asked to do. Um, But he does uh, more so than a guy should at his size. Uh, And often he's running out of the slot. So he's, he's facing a smaller guy or a player that probably shouldn't even really be lined up against him. (laughs) Uh, But they're, they're generally fast themselves. So Um, he's not necessarily going to out sprint a really shifty, tiny slot defender in many cases, Uh, but he doesn't have to because he just freaking mosses them. Like, (laughs) so he does like at least once, twice, maybe three times on the same drive. So he's going to moss somebody. Uh, And that's great because even when he doesn't separate, he absolutely dunks on kids and it's hilarious. So uh, it's weird that he didn't play outside more given his size, but just what Arkansas is asking him to do, um, within that frame, he is succeeding.
0: Yeah, it's always within the frame because I will tell you, I watched—I don't know—four games. Uh, you know, I didn't—I didn't watch a ton, but you know, you watch them fast, so you see every single play over and over and over again. And I will tell you, Arkansas left me just like sick a little bit because they'd be like third and seven and run quarterback draw. They do that a lot. Like I'm like, what? A, I have to sometimes look down. I was like, is it third? And fuck yeah, it's third and seven, and they got this this number one. You know, just draw and it's like goes nowhere, or loses three yards. I'm like, what is going on? And so sometimes they would get desperate and you'd watch the film and you're like, oh my God, can you guys throw one ball down the field? They just keep, you know, these little RPOs, inside, inside run, little, you know, inside zone. And you're like, come on, like you've got this guy. And then they're like, fuck it. Like we got nothing else. So they just throw it up at him. And you know what he does? He mosses the guy and makes a play either down the field or scores a touchdown. And you're like, I swear to God, I I was watching (laughs) just the times they would line up and throw it to him on the outside in any sort of coverage. And it was like an 80 to 90% success rate. Like, it never didn't work. I was like, this is amazing. This guy, back shoulder, going up and getting it, deep ball. Anytime down the field, just on the sideline, he wins and catches it and secures it every single time. It's unbelievable. So... What I did see, though, was not a lot of mid, uh, mid-level mid route uh, expertise, for sure. You know, he's not Justin Jefferson in the middle of the field at all. And so that's a little bit concerning because it'll limit his targets at the NFL level to sort of DK Metcalf style. And if he's not quite DK Metcalf, then, well, exactly who the hell is that? I don't really want to know, you know, so... Uh, he does need to develop a little bit more there, but man, oh man, is he, is he good down the side of the field in contested catch and uh, back shoulder stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it, it is weird because you'd think he would be targeted downfield even more, but mm-hmm. he, uh, running out of the, out of the slot, you're going to have a bunch of underneath stuff. Like he had pretty high, like screen or quick percentages uh, on underneath stuff. I think like more than uh, more than half of his targets came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage last year. And so, really odd given that he's six, three, like two twenty five. but Hey, that's just kind of like their, their decision. They're just like, Hey, KJ Jefferson, he can hit you here. And so we're going to, we're going to do this most of the time. And when we're desperate, we'll chuck it up to you and you will catch it.
0: (laughs) It was desperation. It'd be like, it's just unbelievable. I was like, man, just come out running that shit from the beginning, you know, and then your runs will work better. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I watched some of those games and I, you know, I, I look forward to watching some more, see if, I don't know, I mean, I was just like blown away. It was—I uh, think I watched the Alabama game, which was really tough to watch because Alabama was so much stronger than them. they held their—they held their own. They almost won that game. I was like, "Holy smokes!" But you know, it's just. Obvious physical difference, physicality difference from one side of the ball to the other. So that stuff's tough when you're just like, you know, what do you want Traylon Burks to do? He's like, you know what I mean? It's like your quarterback is basically getting bum-rushed immediately on every throw or, you know, the the running backs were just getting. I mean, even the announcer like, ooh, you know, it's like they're doing that thing, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that does look pretty fucking painful playing against Alabama. Good luck with that. So, yeah, tough stuff.
1: Yeah, but I do – Really, I mean, in conclusion, Traylon Burks yeah, is very, very good. Yes. And by the film and by the numbers, and when those two marry together, it's pretty. It's a pretty good indicator something good's going to happen.
0: Yeah, he's got the. I would say the highest ceiling in the class. I. I would think you know, but at the same time, you know, he does have the. And, and I'm not calling him Nikhil Harry. I just call it the Nikhil Harry floor, which is the. <laughs> Outside separator guy who doesn't really—I mean, the out guy, uh, outside guy who gets a lot of screens and whatnot. As a matter of fact, what do you think about the comparison straight up with him and Nikhil Harry? i, I don't think he's Nikhil Harry, but I'm just saying, what do you think about that comparison and that that fear?
1: I don't like it necessarily. I, Harry wasn't uh, wasn't as fast as Burks at all, uh, and it, his deployment in college was really odd because they used Harry as like this just big muscle. Uh, screen guy on the outside a lot uh, he had a way too high screen percentage for a guy that like yep. what are they what are they doing it's like just an extension of the run game uh, Arizona State at that time was a little odd uh, just offensively overall um, and so he was he was a weird eval even then we we just loved his production profile and he broke out like an early at an early age just kind of like Traylon Burks but they're different players and like yeah. I said Tr- Burks was like a big slot like he really I mean, he was basically like a modern-day tight end deployment type guy that's really just a big slot, you know? And so I don't know what what he does in the pros, where he fits, but he can win outside when he has to. And uh, he clearly wins in the slot whenever he wants to.
0: Yeah. I I really like Traylon Burks, and it sounds like you do too. Uh, He's my wide receiver one. Do you also have him there?
1: I have Garrett Wilson. That's fair Uh, enough. I I
0: flirted with Garrett Wilson there too, so tell tell us why.
1: Burks is number two, and it's really, it's, it's really just a tier system for me until the opportunity because he, they're so close. Like Garrett Wilson's peak production profile is not quite as, as impressive, but given his surroundings, it is just about as impressive because right. he was splitting work with, well, obviously Chris Olave, but also uh, this past year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, by the way, would be the wide receiver one in this class if he was eligible yeah. this year over yeah. everybody, and he would actually be in his own tier. He would be yes. above Garrett Wilson. He would be above Traylon Burks, and he will be at least the wide receiver two next year, if not the one in 2023. Yes. So splitting targets in that kind of situation, and still posting not just de- like, like decent peak raw numbers, but like adjusted for the scale of his offense, very good production. So... I love him from that standpoint. He's got the pedigree, five-star kid, does everything well. He's played well in slot. He's played well when they moved him outside. He does, he does just about everything great. Um, but he doesn't uh, – he's not like uh, – I think people are worried because he's like not elite elite in yeah. any single aspect. He's just good at everything.
0: I mean, in, in all fairness, that's how we felt about Justin Jefferson coming out too.
1: Yeah and he was and and his concern was like oh he plays only slot and he never only he never plays like press coverage whatever and yeah I, that wasn't really a concern and so <laughs> no, sure sure
0: wasn't yeah. but i mean it's true you know i, I but i do see uh, Garrett Wilson with the highest floor uh would you agree with that i mean obviously you do i mean i guess if you're yeah, saying and, yeah i mean
1: and and when you when you realize that he's probably going to be the first wide receiver taken in the real NFL draft too there's not. I mean, maybe maybe, Will, maybe they reach for Williams because of his ridiculous season, um, right. but you know, given the injury, maybe not now. So yeah. I, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, that he being be in that of, conversation at least.
0: Speaking of you know potential first wide receiver taken off the board in the real NFL draft, and speaking of Garrett Wilson's teammate Chris Olave, um, I'm a little bit skeptical. What are your thoughts about Chris Olave?
1: Well, actually, first off, before I, I'm I'm going to play co-host. Why are you skept- skeptical? Oh, no, fair <laughs> skeptical enough.
0: Here? Well, because well, here it is. Uh, as a first round, well, you know this. First round seniors taken in uh, first round uh, seniors in the NFL draft don't fare very well. Why didn't he come out last year? He was the third best wide receiver on his team, arguably with maybe the wide receiver one in consecutive classes. But look, if he isn't the wide receiver one on his own team, you know, all of a sudden he's going to be. I don't know. I just think he's, I think sometimes he gets overhyped. I like him as like a Tyler Boyd-esque sort of slot guy in the NFL. I think, you know, what's his ceiling? Amon Ra? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's no way he's like more than Amon Ra, right?
1: Uh, Maybe. I mean, like uh, Amon Ra Brown, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown had a great start uh, to his career, especially in the last five or six weeks or so where he just absolutely went off. Uh, so great. But what I love about Olave is his deep game. I don't, I don't think people appreciate him in that aspect as much. I think uh, his, his ceiling would be like, you know, imagine like a healthy Will Fuller, you know, like if Mm. Will Fuller actually ever stayed healthy, he would have scored like 30 touchdowns per season.
0: (laughs) That fast.
1: Uh, he is very fast. He's not, but the thing is, what what is best about Olave is not that he just relies on four two wheels that he does not have. Uh, he re, he's very good in terms of technique and working the deeper stem, just from a film perspective. But it's really backed up in the numbers when we look at the fact that in the last three seasons he's had almost twenty touchdowns uh, that were you know had at least twenty air yards underneath them. Like that's more than I believe I like anybody that. in the entirety yeah, like of college football. And I'm not sure there's actually a very close second. Like, Dontavian Wicks, like if you look at his per-game per numbers like last year, like he's up there. Uh, there's a few others uh, that were crazy, crazy, like good, efficient, deep threats. But um, I think in 2019 and 2020, Olave had one of the deepest ADOTs in the country. Uh, that changed a little bit this year in terms of his deployment because they were using uh, he J- Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson in different ways. Just getting more creative, I guess, between the three usage uh, usages – this year. And so his game is a little bit different but still an incredible uh deep threat that um I think has a place in the NFL and even though he's not the biggest thickest guy and he's not going to be the fastest. I think he's a he's a technician and that's going to help and he's going to succeed. And I'm not sure that he's going to be, you know, necessarily a, a week in a week out all the time wide receiver one that you can trust, but I think that he's easily, you know, somebody who could rise in the top 15. Uh, you know, top 18, really solid wide receiver two conversation for fantasy football.
0: I love it, man. Great, great take. I love it. You know, be not being a college football guy, I sort of just look at the numbers a little bit and say, well, hey, this is the third best receiver on his college team. He's going to be drafted in the first round. He's in a, and he's a senior. And I look at the box score and I go, not crazy impressive. I look at the size. OK, but you told me something I didn't know and that I hadn't seen because I hadn't dug that deep, which is that he is actually utilized Deeper, And he does have some air yards to him. And, and those two things are very important because if you're telling me he's just a close to the line of scrimmage slot guy, third best receiver on his team, I'm not as interested, but last year, I I really, I thought he should have come out last year, probably.
1: Yeah, it was weird. It was, it was really odd. I I mean, the the decision looked really, I mean, here's the thing though. What if, what if he had a really good agent that recommended, Hey, look, your stock is probably top 60 this year. However, if you look at the production profiles of the class next year, they probably didn't, didn't have this exact conversation, but if you look at the next crop of, of wide receivers, you could be even higher, ranked higher next year. And, um, and I think he probably actually made himself some money. I think he would have been you know, a, a, somewhere in the 50s in terms of pick, picks last year, and he's in the first-round conversation this year. I think he just made himself some money by staying a year.
0: Tra- Travis, you are right. You did nail Olave. I mean, you've d- now converted me. I'm now team Olave. I mean, I'm moving them up. I'm ready to go. Look, you, you made a lot of great points. I'm in. Here's another one that I remember, you know, I don't I again, I, I've mentioned it ad nauseum. I don't follow the college game incredibly. But, you know, when the, when the big names come through the B. John Robinsons and stuff like that, I know I know, you know, and one of the big names that was, you know, the the wide receiver one for so long and then got hurt and who knows what george pickens you know like george pickens was the guy um and now you know i i you know i just did it today i i recorded something yesterday saying he's outside my top 12 super flex you know players i mean we would have never thought that you know a couple of years ago when he was balling out as a freshman and so now i will ask you are are we sleeping on george pickens or what do you think or maybe you're not but are we sleeping on george pickens
1: I think we might be uh, because if he's anywhere near the ceiling that we once saw and, uh, you know, the one play that he did make in the national championship was incredible. Like that that deep play laid out like completely horizontal, uh, incredible catch over his shoulder. Like he has his his peak plays are just straight up dumb. Like they shouldn't be possible in some cases. Uh, And so he has that kind of ceiling. Uh, but you know, he doesn't just kind of like, and I'm not comparing him one-to-one to to DK Metcalf, but he has in terms of his college usage, like with a bunch of straight up fade and go stuff mixed in with some curls and comebacks, like that's all Metcalf did. And he only lined up at left wide receiver. (laughs) And so there's a, there's a lot of that to George Pickens deployment in his game from a film standpoint, from an analytic standpoint. Dickens broke out with a 30% dominator as a true freshman, which is pretty nasty. Good, yes. and uh, and then uh, that other measure, that yards per team pass attempt, we all love. Like it was gross when he had something called a Dewan Mathis throwing them the ball to kick off his sophomore year, <laughs> uh, and uh, and but then when J.T. Daniels came in, his all his numbers, including yards per team pass attempt, literally tripled, and that kind of fixed his sophomore season down the stretch. And so when he got injured this year. Huge bummer because we could have saw we could have seen just a ridiculous season. I mean, Bennett really improved and was actually one of the most efficient passers in the country this year somehow. And so <laughs> that would have been great had he had Pickens also to throw to. But I think we very well could be sleeping on him because I think most people like average track position data might have him like wide receiver eight. Yeah. Whereas his ceiling is wide receiver one. Absolutely. So, yes. Yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah. So, so I would ask you then George Pickens or Chris Olave.
1: Oh man, (laughs) I have to answer that. I would take Chris Olave. Okay. But I I very well understand that that could look dumb. Well, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Look, we
0: always look dumb. I mean, the the idea, I I say this all the time, right? Like I would say your rankings are wrong. Like my rankings always. are incorrect, you're, right? They're always, always wrong. They're never <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Somehow they're wrong. I don't know how they're wrong, but I guarantee you they're wrong. It's like picking the perfect lottery numbers. You, you, you're you not going to win the lottery. So in, right? so in some way, shape, form or fashion, we're wrong. It's just how. So I, that's why I always ask the questions. That's why I'm happy to have you tell me. You, you look, you may, be, you may be a little bit uh, wrong on Olave. I wish someone would have told me that about, you know, my take that Terrace Marshall was ahead of Jalen Waddle last year. You know, that would have been fucking nice. Someone would have talked me out of that shit. So <laughs> I'm okay with it. It's true, right? You know, it's yeah. like you need to work through it. And and I probably could have gotten there with having Waddle over Terrace last year. I could have gotten there if I have just thought it through a little bit more, just put a little bit more context on, on Jalen Waddle and, you know, just opened my eyes to draft capital, top 10, you know, like, what do you, what is wrong with you? You know, so I, I, I just, I, you know, I think it's healthy to talk like that and to know that you're probably wrong. And with George Pickens, he's one of these guys that like, he's got a scary floor too. Cause you know, oh, well, look, here, here's something that, that is going to be revealed by the anatomy of a wide receiver of an elite wide receiver this year. And that is that what they look like is changing. You know, if we go back, you know, five or 10 years, certainly 20 years, Michael Irvin is what they look like right you know that's not what they look like now they look like Justin Jefferson now you know a couple inches shorter 10 20 pounds lighter they're not 180 pounds or 170 pound they're you know 190 to two 205 but they used to be 64 220 right that was the guy you wanted that was it and so not anymore now you want six, six, one, 200, 195 right in there that's perfect you know and so the the outside sort of receiver that clasher that guy that wins, you know, jump ball type stuff, back shoulder stuff. They're not now NFL quarterbacks are not targeting them at, at as high a rate.
1: Uh, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. So, and, and that's why it's very different. Like when you say Chris Olave looks more like the new guy, mm-hmm. like the new NFL, like this team small yes. wide receiver. And George Pickens looks like I'm going to crush your hopes and dreams on the outside uh, from 10, 15 years ago. And right. I think they both still can succeed. Um, but you know, you, you need to be able to separate for yourself now, like teams are smarter about that. You need to be able to create your own space. Uh, cause not all the quarterbacks can, uh, do what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning uh, do yeah, with pinpoint accuracy all the time. And so right. it's a much better, smarter decision to throw somebody, you know, to someone who's wide open. Yes. Um, but I think Pickens can create that, and he does it vertically easily, and right. he does it pretty well on the comebacks and, and curls that have seen him do. But I love for him to kind of round out his game just from a developmental standpoint uh, with the, a fuller tree. But I, I have confidence that he can.
0: Yeah. Another guy that was that, that same type of player that, you know, uh, jumped off the page in his freshman season, but I'm way more skeptical about him for obvious reasons. But how about Justin Ross? are we sleeping there or should we be sleeping?
1: I think because his stock and his perception uh, in terms of his range of outcomes and what we're really expecting, uh, they're so wide. I mean they're way wider even than George Pickens and considering that he basically medically retired or almost medically retired due to the back neck thing um, and, and he was not even medically cleared to practice for a long, 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 long time. And we were like, man, I don't even know if he's going to – I mean, that he's practicing-ish. Like, is he really going to play again? And then he does. Uh, and then he hurts himself again in a different way, uh, injuring his ankle this year after being thoroughly unspectacular. <laughs> right. um, and so, man, uh, he looked really good back when he had Trevor, Lo- uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball and T. Higgins pulling coverage away from him where he's just – Iso one on one just you know killing smaller defensive backs that's great dude you broke out really really well early like peaked 25 27% however you measure it oh. in dominator rating whatever um but he doesn't have a great peak production profile and uh, there are questions medically probably that won't go away ever right and so th- probably the, the widest range of outcomes in the class by a wide margin.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, the medical stuff is what is unfortunately the reason why I'll be fading. And, you know, I mean, it, it's like there's there's probably going to be a better upside value pick when you're looking at Justin Ross. And that makes me sad, uh, really, because, you yeah. know. Like, you know, I just, I have said this so many times on this pod, just that I hate injuries, you know, even to your most unliked, you know, nemesis, you don't want to see injuries. You know, I was a Tom Brady fan, you know, obviously a Patriots fan. I never wanted to see Peyton Manning, get hurt. I mean, in the games we were playing, obviously, if he was, you know, carted off, that'd be cool. But, you know, just, I'm only joking, uh, yeah. kind of, uh, but no, but really you wanted to beat the best. You know, I wanted him out there. You know, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to like, oh, he's not playing this week. Cool. I would never like, what? You, know, you want to see the best out of everybody. You I, I don't want to see
1: Jim Sorgi play this <laughs> week.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. You want to see the absolute best out of everybody. You know, that's what made, you know, Tom Brady so alluring is like, you know, and he probably got the most out of his, you know, true potential of any player I've ever seen. And that's amazing. I love seeing that, you know, when he got hurt, it was brutal. You know, it's like we lose a whole season of, you know, so I hate, I hate the injuries. I hate that Justin Ross is dealing with this. I, you know, I just feel really bad and I, you know, look, I hope he's, I hope he's great, but I'm very, very dubious of all that. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, especially on the heels of the senior bowl, when the talk of the senior bowl was, you know, Malik Willis and, rightfully so, and I I know there are some other things that came out of the senior bowl for sure, but I wanted to ask you, if you were drafting today, who would be your 101 in a super flex rookie draft?
1: That's tough because the quarterbacks are all, there's no no clear quarterback one, and uh, my quarterback one is no longer even the consensus quarterback one, uh, but I think I would still lean with Matt Corral for now. Yeah. For now. Um, And it's funny, like he wasn't even at the senior bowl. And there were jokes about like, you know, the people who saw their stock raise this week were one Malik Willis at the position and two Matt Corral for not being there because no one else even stood out whatsoever. And uh, so that's great. (laughs) But it's funny because Matt Corral was uh, even like, if you look at grinding the mocks data or, I mean, I did a scrape of my own like 30 plus mock drafts and like Corral was a top 10 pick by most, people's consideration like even through early january uh and i don't think that's like what has happened to change that i don't know because i think he's got a fantastic passing profile outside of like two games from like the arkansas game especially uh from uh 2020 yeah, right but um, six interceptions you know, or yeah exactly but he's a really fantastic dual threat uh that checks a lot of boxes and in terms of his passing profile i don't want to nerd out too too hard but I mean, his his peak production profile is incredible, and and should be considered like by my latest model. Like his peak was like in the ninety fifth percentile, uh, so looks really really good. Um, so I, I really love Matt Corral. He would be the, the number one, but I think Malik Willis does have the highest upside and also the lowest floor because yep. he does not have the consistent pass efficiency against top-level competition. And he throws a lot of picks, makes bad decisions. He's got a rocket arm and can ch- really chuck at 70 yards. But uh, the, the misses are pretty bad.
0: Yes, they really are. I mean, the, I think the stat was he was the lowest-rated uh, quarterback, at, you know, in FBS or whatever, Some, you know, uh, with from a clean pocket. You know, it was like – You know, give him time and he'll fuck it up, you know, so to speak, from the numbers. And then, so I'm expecting, you know, him to go to the Senior Bowl where it's, you know, all structure. You know, I had Thor Nystrom on the pod and, you know, we were talking about how it's all structure uh, at the Senior Bowl. And he was the best one at that, which was surprising. You know, that was not something I anticipated um, hearing about Malik Willis at the Senior Bowl. And so the fact that he did that maybe put some some context around – you know that that liberty school where you know maybe i don't know i don't know a can't name a receiver on his team like i don't fucking know um i don't know any offensive lineman at liberty like i just don't know they were probably dog shit and then this kid you know right he's like i'll just run for it and that seemed to work just fine right like you know so i don't know i just don't know what the best you know measure of him is is it that, that 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 sort of body of work at Liberty throwing the football or is it the senior bowl where all of a sudden the, the competition steps up and he's got someone to throw to. I, I I don't know what to make of it, but you're right. He has the highest ceiling.
1: Just, just to nerd out for a second, because yeah, that's what it. I do best. Please. Um, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, his, his like peak rushing yard market share, which basically is, is just a fancy way of saying like the percentage of his team's rushing yards that he ran for uh, was near like near 40%. Like, which is just, just nuts for quarterbacks. Like, right. the really good dual-threat quarterbacks, they're not even normally over 20%, you know? And he was almost 40%. Like, it was like 37 and change. And so he was just the entire the entire rush attack, pretty much, for the most part. And what's also bizarre about him is he threw the ball pretty darn deep downfield. Like, his out, I think, uh, in 2020 was like 11.3 yards, Like which is – that. That singular throw isn't really far downfield, but on an average, that's like top 5% in the country. Um, so he's throwing hard passes to complete to wide receivers who can't catch. Right. Uh, and and it's really, it's got to be frustrating, but his peak uh, pass efficiency marks like by the most idealistic view are probably somewhere in the 80th percentile, which is not perfect but it's also not terrible like it's better than josh allen josh allen was terrible in college right it's better than daniel jones daniel jones was awful and he also had no one to throw to in college uh, but what he does even better than both of them is run really well and in today's game man that matters yeah. that really matters and, and and if you want to break down and look at his like completion percentage over expected given his average depth of target uh, again super nerdy sorry That's but it a lot. wasn't bad right uh, it, it was actually in the like above the ninety percentile on right. that measure. So yes. he's completing some really tough passes downfield. So you got to give it's inefficient at times because of the turnovers. Because he's trying to complete tough passes, trying to bring his terrible team back and win these right. games.
0: Right? Yeah. You know, the quarterback position, and I, you may agree with this, is the hardest position to evaluate using just raw data. Um, You know, it's actually harder though.
1: Yeah, we're getting better.
0: You know, I've I've looked at like just a very simple one was just sort of completion percentage and yards per attempt, you know, sort of correlated, you know, together. And, you know, when you see a guy who's able to make, you know, a high completion percentage, but also, like you say, push the ball down the field. Sounds like that's the metric that you were you were referring to, um, which is basically that, you know, it's basically air yards. I'm sure you used with completion percentage, which is. Even better, I think, you know, um, but even if you just look at box score, you know, yards per attempt and, and completion percentage, you're generally going to see, you know, guys that can throw the ball downfield and be accurate. I mean, that's basically yeah. what the numbers are telling you. So, um, but you're right. There's, you know, there's the sort of the Jalen Hurts offense and then whatever Michigan does. or whatever, You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's different stuff out there, right?
1: Yeah. Very different schematic uh, situations for quarterbacks, which makes it really tough. Like, because. Completely different systems, completely different set of offensive line and skill position players that all affect that singular player's game right. and their their peak. And so, I mean, one thing that I do I, I, at is I built a... Um, an adjusted yards per pass attempt over expected which okay. adjusts for average depth of target it adjusts for play action percentage which artificially boosts pass efficiency by the way that's been confirmed in both the NFL Absolutely. and yes. college it boosts like expected points added per attempt which is it doesn't matter it, it boosts efficiency cool yeah but anyway so like and and by that measure willis that's probably his worst measure oh, measure And it's like in the 70th percentile ish range, which is like the bottom level that you need probably to get drafted in in round one. Uh, Like there's only been two first round players, like first round picks below the 70th percentile by this particular metric that I built. And that was Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. Hmm. Um, And that's it. Like, Like nobody else like really gets drafted at all in the first round that fails to meet that. So he's like right on the cusp of not good enough to be a first round pick yeah. and bypass efficiency measures. but as a, as
0: a as a pocket passer, so to speak, right? Yes,
1: so speak. but the, but what he adds as a rusher makes his ceiling super high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, I don't like to over count anything, especially like off-season stuff, you know, combine and senior bowl yeah. stuff. But it was very refreshing, and I kind of moved Malik Willis to my 1.01 only because of the upside. And I'm with you. I actually took – I, I feel like right now the the, th- the three quarterbacks who are going to get drafted, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, and Malik Willis, you know, in the first fifteen to twenty picks, probably maybe even the first twelve picks, maybe ten to twelve picks. Um, <clears throat> I think those guys, if you're drafting today, need to be considered at the top because you don't know where they're going to land, and but you do have a pretty good uh, feeling that they're going to get a chance to be a starting quarterback sooner rather than later. And that adds huge value. Even if you don't believe in them, the second they start, you can be like, trade them, you know, and you get multiple first round picks. So they definitely return value, even if they're not good. Uh, You know, so it's like, look at Daniel Jones has not been particularly good. He's still, you know, he's going to, he's going to start again this year. Right. So, you know, they're going to roll him out again. Baker Mayfield still starting. Right. So these, these early first round guys who look, if Baker was a third round pick, let me just tell you, he'd have been replaced already. Same thing with Daniel Jones, you know, just no
1: question about it. Right. I mean, Trubisky, it was funny. Like technically he was a hit, you know, like (laughs) he kind of faded, but you know, his value was pretty insulated there for a while.
0: Yep. I I always say when, whenever we talk about this, what does this say about how bad Josh Rosen must be?
1: (laughs) And the thing about Josh Rosen is he is the only first round quarterback to have like negative, like a negative career rushing yards peak, like out of, uh, UCLA. I'm trying to think uh well yeah I'm just like out of I think like 20ish first round picks. Ah. He's the only one who had negative rushing yards in his like peak passing season. You mean
0: from the NFL or from college?
1: And from well from college like right, when right. he was yeah, and, I and you meant. can get negative rushing yards because they count sack yardage against your rushing total exactly. in college yes. for those not familiar. But yes. so like Carson Strong this year. Like he literally had Negative 20% of his team's rushing yards. <laughs> right. That's a real stat. Yeah, that's and rough. So, um, yes, he was coming off an injury. The year before that when he was healthy, 8%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Please, please stop. Like yes. He's not going to be an early first. It's not going to happen. The NFL looks at that and says, liability. Right. And that's what he is. And yep. so he's got a great arm. But like Rosen was bad because he was a statue and that just doesn't work in the NFL anymore. It yeah, will, I think uh, we, we I think- will not see that happen
0: maybe Carson Strong smells a little bit too much like Josh Rosen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great stuff, man. Um, let's go. So, all right. So I appreciate that. So it sounds like we're on the same sheet of sheet of music with the quarterbacks. You're basically, uh, are you, are you feeling, how are you feeling about Kenny Pickett? You know, cause analytically <laughs> he also has that, you know, late breakout <laughs> one production, one productive year. He's old. He was- hey, he's got a lot of stinky <laughs> stinks.
1: So that was like a – no one cares about podcast inside jokes, but it was kind of like an inside joke between me and my co-host for a while. Like like Kenny Pickett, we like Kenny Pickett because it's like he's he's just – he's on that Andy Dalton line. You know, like if he was any worse, there's no way he'd be a starting quarterback for an FBS team. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, by the way, I'm the next Joe Burrow and I'm going to toss over forty. 40- T- t- touchdown passes It's right. like where did that come from dude like what just happened and so yeah i am a little concerned uh he's he's got the two gloves thing going on <laughs> he's got smaller hands whatever hand size twitter oh yep. my gosh yes absolutely. but uh i am concerned uh i don't have him ranked uh near corral uh, or even willis and or even Howell. uh i've Howell ranked over him um but yeah, I, I think if he's selected early, you have to kind of yes, okay, NFL, whatever, dude. Uh, yes, but I, yeah, I if think like he could, goes
0: to Denver, and they're like, yeah. he's the starting quarterback in Denver. You're like, well, fuck, yeah, you. And, you and they surround him with some like,
1: weapons. Like, whatever. what do you want me to like, do, like, do about
0: it? I have to. T- I mean, you know, you can't just let a starting quarterback go by. You know, I mean, I suppose you can if you really think he's gonna yeah. suck. But you know, I'm with you. I, I thought Sam Howell was the better prospect as well. But, you know, you know, I'm, I am recording this from my mom's basement. So obviously I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But yeah, no, I mean, box score scouting and sort of seeing, you know, the enough of what I've seen with him. Like he also has that Konami code like he he showed it this year on a on a team that was, you know, greatly diminished from the from the team he played on last year. Here's the other thing, too. If they go really early, uh, Sam Howell could move right back up to the top uh, of the board if he gets like drafted into Pittsburgh, with like pick 20, you know?
1: Yeah, what would be really fun is if Sam Howell got drafted like in the 20s. Like he got drafted to a team that is losing their quarterback, like, you know, and needs something else. Like if, if he goes to the Bucks, if he goes to the Steelers, if he goes Saints, to the, the Saints. Yep. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, dude, that would be fantastic because he would immediately have a huge upgrade over the, the putrid set of playmakers he was dealt last year. Yeah, yes. Like he had Josh Downs, uh, who had done virtually nothing before last year. But Josh Downs was really fast, 4-4, four, four, you know, he'll be a, a, an early round pick in 2023, whatever. But right. nobody else, like nothing else, they could do anything. So if anybody just bracketed Josh Downs, it was like, well, Sam Howell looks for, you know, two reads. And he's like, well, I got to run again. Who do you think had more rushing yards per game last year? Sam Howell or Malik Willis? Yeah, Sam Howell, baby. Bring Sam me Howell did. Sam Howell. Like, what? Yes. How is that a thing? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun
0: yeah they're the same exact size too just over six feet just over 220 they're both yep. thick dudes man these guys are, are built like running backs and with, with and like
1: four c's at the end
0: yes the extra c's um spe- <laughs> the guy who doesn't have any c's at all is your boy matt corral and i'm worried about got that. One at the
1: beginning of his name
0: yeah well that's where he needs them toward the end <laughs> He yeah. needs the C's as – it. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a problem. And, you know, look, he was so efficient. He dominated the SEC. He's fucking tough as hell. Like, he plays so aggressively. But even that kind of scares me, the fact that he's so aggressive, not not afraid to run the football, and that he is – you know, I think I was listening to Ray G. He said that he heard someone say that he was playing in the 180s. Like, that can't even be true, can it?
1: No, I, that's definitely not true. Uh, but, you know, he, he's not as, as thick as some of these other guys. But um, I, I'm not super worried about that. Uh, if he's just a little bit smarter about when and how and and just sliding a little bit, he's still going to be kind of a dual threat guy. He's not going to be a Jalen Hurts. He's not going to be a Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be a Kyler Murray. But uh, he could definitely do as much or more than like a Mahomes is doing on the ground and adding some value there and right. getting a, a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, and that's what you needed to do in, in today's NFL. Like even the guy, even the old guys have figured out. Like even like Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan can get 150 rushing yards in a season these days. But uh, but Corral can do more than that. So uh, I, I really love his game. And if the, if the only questions are durability, then I, I he's still a top half of the first round kind of potential upside guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's it's uh it you know all these guys are a little bit flawed. And if they were in last year's class, they'd be the quarterback six, you
1: know? Yeah, um, oh, I have no no debate there. Yeah, <laughs> they would be quarterbacks. All of them, None of them would yeah. be top five guys.
0: <laughs> right. And that's, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, people out here to say that. That doesn't mean that they won't be better than any of these guys that were drafted last year. That's not yeah. what we're saying. We're just saying the profiles and everything that you're looking at, they just wouldn't be ahead of any of these other guys. And and that that's what we're saying. So don't get it twisted. Yeah. Um, in terms of running back, I, while we're here, um, who's your running back one?
1: Brees Hall, Brees State, Hall, yeah. Iowa State, yeah, is my dude.
0: Yeah, do you feel like he's in a class by himself, or is he in a tier with others?
1: I think it's like him, Isaiah Spiller, and that's probably it. I mean, like I know a lot of people want to want to amp up Kenneth Walker off of his incredible performance this year, and and he did really well. Uh, and and it, even at Wake Forest, when he was putting up with a line that uh, afforded him like the 80th or so ranked, uh, you know, like yards before contact, like it was not good, right. uh, not great at all. And so he he was putting up decent numbers, even in that mess. But when he came to Michigan State and they're like, hey, we're going to build this offense around you. And he succeeded uh, and had some big plays, albeit all, not always consistent, uh, consistent play down to down. He had some big moments almost won the Heisman really. I mean, he was in that kind of semi-finalist conversation. Great, great season, almost no receiving production. I'm so waiting I think for the the, butt. that, yeah. I'm waiting for the, the yeah, butt. Almost, yeah. And that's the, butt. it's almost no receiving production. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the down to down consistency uh, versus uh, a Brees hall and versus the vision uh, of a, a spiller just is, is just a hair down below those two. And so, I don't think any of them deserve even top forty selections. Uh, right. and none of them do. Uh, this is a, a bad class, right. worse than last year, and last year wasn't good. Uh, so, and, and it's funny, like if, if Debbie fantasy football nerds like myself, we, we that roster college players before they're even in the NFL, right? Um, you know, we, we've seen this coming for like three years. Like we know this is going to be pretty bad, guys. Like right. this is going to be bad. Like, and so. Yeah, it's not a surprise, and yeah, so after I, that, there's almost I, no sure things.
0: I had said, you know, Brees Hall's my my RB one as well, and <clears throat> I had had a said on my most recent pod that I think that he's below. I, I, I sort of have this JT uh, Saquon. Those are like the elite of the elite uh, running backs that I've I've ever scouted, and then and then it was the next group down. That's kind of a big group. Like for me, you know, Dobbins and Swift and Dalvin Cook and you know CMC and. Mixon and you know zeke was in there you know zeke was great he was close to that elite but he was just one level down and then there was probably another tick down where you know i found chubb who was like really dope running back but was coming off injury didn't have pass catching you know and then there was the next one down which was like um you know the the miles sanders josh jacobs david montgomery class and i think all these guys are in that sort of area uh, I think Brees Hall may be a little bit higher than those three. Is that about how you feel about these prospects coming in?
1: Yeah. And, and the only thing that'll be weird with both uh, Hall and Spiller is like how much they've run um, in personnel groupings like 21 and 12 versus what the NFL almost exclusive, uh, exclusively runs these days in 11 personnel. Yep. You know, one wide receiver, I mean, sorry, three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end. Like that's the go to. Like that's yep. almost. And the Rams like almost exclusively yeah, use that's all they do. that. That's all they do. Um, and what's weird about Brees is like last year he only had like forty four carries and eleven personnel. Like and he had like two hundred plus carries. Like they right. run a bunch of tight end heavy stuff, like twelve and even thirteen packages, like with three tight ends in. Jesus. And and it's and it's because like. They need to because, like, they don't have really great offensive line and they don't have really great wide receivers, so they have to ground and pound, and teams know they're going to do do it. So he's not even in really good, like, favorable box situations. So maybe he actually is better than we think because once he's in a more spacious offense, uh, he has more room to work. Uh, And so maybe that works out, or maybe it hurts him that he doesn't have the experience. I don't know which way it's going to go, but uh, their experience is – are not exactly what they will be working with in the pros most likely.
0: Well, if you do any sort of modeling for running backs, you know that actually athleticism matters for them much more, or, you know, for wide receivers, it almost doesn't matter. You know, we, we know that, you know, they need to have some modicum of, 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 athleticism, but those running backs, you know, the, the elite of the elite ran fast and moved quick. You know, they just did. They were big and they were size speed specimens. And yeah. we know that Brees Hall will be somewhat big, not not too big, but he'll be plus 210, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, maybe 220. I don't know. You know, we thought Javante was going to be 220, and he showed up a little lighter than that. But in yeah. any event, he's going to be in that ballpark. Do you know or think if he's going to run fast and, like, sort of, uh, you know, combine as an athlete?
1: I think he's more athletic than uh, the most recent Iowa State running back that everyone was excited about, David Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. And and in many ways, this kind of this class feels 2019 ish too. Like it's got like three guys that are good ish. You know, (laughs) like like Jacobs shouldn't have been a first round pick. Yeah, Sanders shouldn't. I mean, Sanders wasn't. Monty wasn't. You know, there's three guys again that look like they're day two ish talents. And then there's a bunch of flyers after that. Yep. And that that's how this feels. But I don't think Hall's gonna fly. I don't think Spiller's gonna fly. I don't think Walker is gonna fly. Right. You know, like we 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 always the masses anyway they assume that players. Oh, like if they don't break four or five, that's bad. Uh-huh. But like I, you know, all these guys are gonna be four, five, six, and that's okay. Like totally I don't fine. care. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, it's, uh, what was it? Elijah Holyfield who ran the four, seven, eight. It's like, all right, see you later, dude. Um, He's but still running
1: his 40. Yeah, he He's is. Not done.
0: Hold on. Wait. And he just finished. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but no, seriously, like that's fine. Four, six, two, you know, I mean, uh, you know, that's what that's Javante and yeah, that's Javante, exactly Kareem, Kareem Hunt. Hunt, Jacobs. that's fine. That's, I mean, it look, and now Kareem Hunt is, you know, more of an exception because I feel like, you know, generally those backs aren't as prolific as even Hunt was, you know, by and large. You know, you don't yeah. see the, the 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 JT and the Ladanian Tomlinson and the, you know, remember Marshawn Lynch even ran like a 4-4-3 at the Combine. Like these dudes are elite. You know, they're super fast. They're able to break a tackle and then be gone, not just break a tackle and then get tackled again. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? You see that with these guys. Like David Montgomery is a great tackle breaker, but sometimes he just can't get to the next level. It's something that I actually fear a little bit with Javante, but you know, that's a story for another day. But yeah, these guys, if they can run a little bit faster, it's funny, you know, oh really there's a big difference between four four eight and four six two. It's like, yes, Dude, yes. Yeah, that's a fucking oh, big difference, God. man. You know?
1: Yeah. Huge, yeah. huge difference.
0: Yeah, huge difference. So I mean, you know, you, you know, speaking of a guy who could be fast and someone that I I, I think I started falling in love with, and then you know uh, they're not following me, but I I saw Twitter kind of fall in love with uh, Rashad White as well. It's I, apparently I'm not alone. It's a love affair for many, um, but I also have some questions here. I mean, you know, he's a little bit lean, and you know, he comes from JUCO, and but he was explosive. I mean, you're a college football guy. I mean, this guy had to have been you know, a, a an awesome person to be rostering in college football, uh, fantasy football, because he was just, you know, 10 yards a pop and caught a million passes. And he, you know, his film is fun. He was really good at the senior bowl. What do we make of Rashad white? And you know, where do you have him? What do you, what are your thoughts here?
1: Uh, first off, so he was yeah, like Juco transfer, right? He's older. Yep. Uh, those are, uh, you know, that that's the detractor, like it, it's his age. How long it took him to break out. Uh, what like some it, The guys going the JUCO route, they can't break out early, guys. I hate to break it to you, but they, they went a route because they couldn't get the grades. Uh, they were always good enough to, to make it at the next level, but they just didn't get called up, probably for academic reasons in many cases, whatever. But Rashad White, once he was there, showed up to Arizona State, and uh, we were all expecting Diamante Tranum to be the guy uh, immediately, and uh, he wasn't and Rashad White averaged like 11 yards per touch. Yes. Uh in you know a smaller smaller sample, but he was insane. He was the most efficient running back in all of college football in uh, 2020. Uh, and then even when you know people knew how good he was, uh, they still didn't really adjust because uh again Arizona State tried to work in other running backs, but then they realized Rashad White is just so much better than the what are we doing? Right. And then they started feeding him like 20 touches a game. And he was still averaging over seven yards per touch. Uh and and still maintaining efficiency, still forcing a ton of tackles per per touch, and um just wowing. And on top of that, being one of the most efficient receiving backs in the nation. So yes, he is a little bit older, but he's also super impressive and should be a top five running back in this class.
0: Yeah. Do you have him as your running back 4 right now? I
1: do. Yes, I do. Yeah.
0: I there it is, man. I just love this dude. So, all right. I'm uh, I'm all in again. Yet another uh, you know, person on the show who is just, you know, feeding me more Rashad White, you know. Uh, karma. Just, I can't I can't <laughs> find someone to talk me off this guy, so yeah. I'm just still all in here. Uh, let's see how this all goes, but uh, do you think he can get draft capital?
1: i I do and and i think because where today's game is they need receiving backs and they need elusive backs and they need guys who are big enough and he's big enough he's not sub 200 like another guy we might talk about here in a second who might be you know running back four for a lot of people yes um but uh i do really think i think he'll sneak in to the back end of day two and uh yeah that'll be good enough
0: so is everybody's you know, running back four, Kyron Williams, you're running back five, or do you see him further down the board? Excuse me. He's my five.
1: I know he is my five. I, I, a lot of people want to, uh, throw, um, you know, like James cook or Zamir white or Brian Robinson up there just because they've got the Bama bump and the, and the Georgia bulldog bump, uh, you know, going for them, but that's just, that's not great process. Right. Uh, William, like Kyron Williams was fantastic he was uh both both of the last years like we weren't expecting him to be uh really this guy that came out of nowhere and and dominated you know because here's the thing so Chris Tyree is a smaller back for Notre Dame but he was also like the highest pedigree running back that they'd brought in in 10 years or something crazy uh and so we, we were like oh man this really fast shifty guy it's gonna be fun to watch him play and then Kyron just sat him on the bench and was like uh Give it a couple years, kid. I'm going to yeah. dominate real fast, and yeah. he did. And and Kyron Williams is not like this huge feature back either, but he's really good in pass pro, really good receiver, really good at everything. Can bust a big run. Is good even in like goal to go situations. Yes. Like it, there's tons of stuff that is just great with Kyron, and so like he and Rashad are like right there for me and for different reasons, but they're they're right there, and they both are prolific receivers, which matters today. Yes.
0: So last year I loved, uh, Kenny Gainwell, right? I mean, I just, I loved him and all the way leading up to the draft, I kept saying, I'm not sure guys, I love him, but that's not enough. The NFL needs to see him as a lead back, you know, otherwise he's just a sort of a, you know, a, a satellite back, uh, with a little bit more to him. You know, if someone gets hurt, he can, he can bump up his, his, his usage and it looks like that's what he is. And so therefore mm-hmm. my fears were correct. Um, even though I still love him as a prospect, a player, he's super fun, was awesome. Love Kenny Gainwell, still do, but also faded him a bit um, for those reasons. For that same reason, do you think the NFL, not me and you, but do you think the NFL sees him as a lead back or an A back in the NFL?
1: I don't. Right. And, and honestly, I don't know if they see anyone in this class <laughs> as like a clear like feature. That's just... And that's not as sexy to talk about like in, in that regard. But no, I, I think he could be. Um, I think like the the ideal projection for Kyron would be an Austin Eckler. Yeah, but the problem with sure. that is that he's not quite as elite in terms of athleticism that uh, in the way that Eckler turned out to be. Um, well, and Eckler's a unicorn to some degree. An yeah, he's a unicorn. kid.
0: Yeah, he's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't chase Austin Eckler. Those no. don't happen. It's a it's a thing that never happens, won't ever happen again, so don't yeah. try and get it again. You know, Ezekiel Elliott will happen 20 more times in the next 40 years. You know what I mean? Not Whatever, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. You know, we're going to see that profile work a lot, whereas the Austin Eckler guy, oh yeah, just get a guy who's really undersized and doesn't get drafted. Go after him. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? But you're yeah. right. Kyron Williams is that. I've asked, is he, you know, is he, like Michael Carter, right? Like, you know, Michael oh, yeah. Carter was smaller, and, that, yeah. and th- but thick. You know, he had a little bit of uh, BMI to him. I think Kyron's got enough. I mean – He does have enough. Like, yeah. he, like
1: Christian McCaffrey, he's he's not thick, you know? Yeah. Like he he may have added a little bit of weight, but like coming in, he was probably 200. Yeah. And if Kyron does get right at 200, I think some NFL team is going to squint and go, yeah, good that's a round three guy. Yeah. yeah. Big, you know? And so he could be a really good 1B – Yes. Or a pretty good 1A. Um, and I'm sorry, that's not sexier. But, yeah, <laughs> like, no. but I, but I, mean, I do like that's him. the way that, that yeah.
0: DeAndre Swift was used, uh, you know, a little bit. Like, he didn't get 20 carries. He got, you know, 8 to 12 carries a game, at mo- you know, kind of at most. But got all the targets, and they were losing all the time. And good enough. Like, that's a, a, an elite fantasy asset. Uh, now, don't get a twist. I'm not saying he's DeAndre Swift. I'm just saying the usage. Like you say, the usage of Eckler. Even Eckler, you know, never – crested a thousand yards you know or even close to it till this past season when he got you know i don't remember what it was but you know he he yeah. was he was unbelievable but you know he he just was used as he had all the targets and you know no goal line this year you got goal line too god austin Eckler, right um but um but you know it could be that kind of usage for kyron williams which could be good enough and i'd rather get the floor of the passing back than the just sort of you know Uh, like Brian Robinson, who probably will never get passed down work, probably will be a really effective NFL player, but not a, not a very good fantasy player, if that makes any sense. Same with Samir. Like if Samir
1: was who he was years ago and was like, not like three and a half ACLs later, you know, I, I, he would be, I would be much higher on him too. But again, he's not the same guy. So.
0: All right, so we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit closer to the end here, but I love playing a little of this or that, which basically is look, gun to your head, you need to pick one or the other. You got to tell me who you like. You can definitely uh, you can you know you can you can answer as long as you want, but uh, all right, this is this one's fun, Jahan Dotson or Wandale Robinson.
1: Jahan Dotson. Oh, tell us. Yep. So Jahan Dotson, I I love what he brings. He's a really weird player in that he's small, but he also dominates in contested situations and can create his own separation consistently. Um, He didn't break out in a crazy way because he was kind of behind uh, on the target totem pole for a little while because Penn State does this whole thing with their kind of funnel offense between one or two pass catchers. But when it really got down to it and it was like just him and Pat, firemuth really as the main targets he absolutely dominated in year three and and that was fantastic so his his peak production profile checks a lot about a lot of boxes he doesn't have like that true freshman early 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 breakout but he is good enough in most every category Uh, so I, i like that from an analytical standpoint and from a film standpoint i think a lot of people agree he's at least a top 50 pick and wandale is fun um but you know he was like that running back by necessity for a little while in nebraska uh he was like a gadget underneath like two and a half yard a dot guy there and then he moves to kentucky and because of kentucky's gadget based wide receiver usage we think we're probably going to get more of that but instead he actually turns into a real wide receiver this year and blows up in a huge way because they have no one else to throw the ball to right. and that's great but why like, why is that peak impressive when there's literally nothing else going on uh in the game besides Wondell, and yeah. so um I think they're both good uh day two players and Jahan's got some hype like he could sneak into the back in around one if we're not careful so yes yeah I mean I, I like them both uh, I think they're both easily top nine wide receivers in this class but neither of them should probably be top four or five but I like Jahan Dotson just a little bit more
0: let me, I'm looking at my rankings right now. Yes, that's I have them at eight and nine. So there you go. So the fact that you said top nine, you and I are seeing it similar. So another one uh, with a riser. We're going to see what you think about a couple of risers actually. Um, <clears throat> Sky Moore or Christian Watson?
1: Sky Moore uh, by by quite a bit. I know okay. I know Christian Watson. Like he's the hype guy yes. from the Senior Bowl, and he did like some good things. He really did. Like he made a couple good catch even in the game he had a really good catch where he was like falling to the ground and uh people like to talk him up and it's but it's funny it's he, he got an invite to the senior bowl just because people wanted to make sure can you really actually make plays against good players and he did but um analytically speaking it's it's really hard to get excited about him because you know cooper cup is an fcs guy yeah. and so like do you know he, cooper cup was an fcs and to stop you yeah. know like it just it's really rare that that actually works out and Watson was not impressive from a raw production standpoint or any kind of adjusted production standpoint that's true at North Dakota State
0: yeah that's he had true. like
1: um some really good efficiency and that he was like their deep threat that would be targeted downfield on their heavy play action pass scheme and he'd be wide open because of the play action cool but um I, I don't think he's going to be even a day two guy I don't think he's even going to be around four guy so at that point, it's kind of a low percentage hit rate. And Sky Moore, however, uh, you know, he, was an, he was an FBS guy. He played in the MAC, but was just a, kind of a ball hawk, uh, even in his first year. Um, wasn't so much when he was splitting targets with D. Eskrich as they were trying to get him drafted. But uh, Sky Moore really balled out this past year and was a, a fantastic asset, even on the outside. He won't be yeah. used on the outside in the pros, so it'd be more of a slot. But I think he could get round four, or even better, draft capital.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So, let's go with the two losers, the Wandale Robinson, or excuse me, Wandale Robinson and Sky Moore.
1: I would prefer Wandale Robinson. And I think they're both, they both project to be, uh, they both project to be slots at the next level. Uh, But I think Wandale Robinson's probably a little bit more of an impressive athlete. And I think he'll get a natural bump uh, in draft capital just due to his competition level um, and I think he just does a little bit more in every facet of the game than Sky Moore does. Um, Wandale has a really weird experience, given that he can be a running back, given that he can be a slot guy, given that he can be a, an underneath target. He can work some deep. He can do a little bit of everything just a hair better than I think Sky does.
0: Is there any uh, any deep wide receivers that you're like, man, he hasn't asked me about this guy and I'd love to make sure that I get my my so-and-so takes off? Is there somebody that I'm missing? Oh, man.
1: Think is a, the flag planted like the uh, the name that, you know, nobody thinks is going to actually pan out or whatever.
0: Yeah, sure. I guess. I mean, just someone you like deeper than that. I mean, you know, I, I know there's some names like Jalen Tolbert I didn't mention and, you know, whatever. I, I just don't know if there's someone back there that you're like, you know, what, like Khalil Shak- Shakir, or whatever. I don't know, Calvin Austin's fast. Like, I don't know. Is there anybody back there that you're like, you know, yeah, keep an eye on this dude.
1: Yeah. So a name and and, and I don't like it when people, Hey, nobody's talking about this guy, (laughs) but I mean, seriously, it feels like that. Like it feels like nobody's talking about uh, Javon Hiley, uh, out of coastal Carolina. And, and this is, he's not going to get round one capital, two capital, three capital. Uh, we'll be lucky if he gets round four capital, but at the same time uh, by just about any way you want to slice it from an analytical standpoint, he's, he's pretty freaking good. Um, a Coastal Carolina has this really weird scheme that's almost like a triple option passing offense instead of a triple option running offense. It's really odd. Like the it's it's heavy option, There's a lot of first read stuff, but he works the deep space really well down the sideline. Um, just snatches it away with ease. So from a film standpoint, I really like it. But then his yards per run numbers are bonkers, his yards per team pass attempt numbers. 3.51 at his peak and so that's that's fantastic his dominator peak rating i think he had two years actually over the 30 percent mark uh, his peak coming around 35 um so i by the numbers he checks a lot of boxes it's a really weird scheme but he he was basically the entirety of that receiving attack outside of their tight end isaiah likely and so um yeah man like a, a, a huge reason why coastal carolina got good was Javon Hiley and so
0: is he uh, is he is he yeah. invited to the combine
1: no and th- that's the thing so Javon Hiley was not even invited to hmm. the NFL combine which that's not a good indicator no but that's another reason why um he's not somebody people are talking about uh Man, so I hate it when they do that
0: you know they do this every year because they'll bring a bunch of stiffs in there and like you know, this guy's probably better. And, and pro- part of the problem is that that means that there's not enough teams that expressed interest in him as a draftable asset, which means mm-hmm. they're idiots. Not, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's <laughs> so good that he's being overlooked, but he's probably good yeah. enough to go to the combine and get drafted by what you're saying to me. I mean, it's, it, it yes. happens every year. And that's year, what's weird.
1: Know? Like he was the snub uh, right. out of the combine guys at wide receiver. So if you're looking for a guy that's going to be a day three pick at best but has all the analytical check marks uh, and you want to get him for free. Uh, yep. He's your guy.
0: All right. I got to ask you a couple quick ones at the running back position. Cause I'm kind of curious Is I've got another guy that I'm pretty high on Felix Sharp kind of turned me on to him. And uh, so Tyler Algier or James Cook.
1: Oh man, I guess I go Tyler Algier. Yeah. Just cause right. he has the requisite size. Yeah. Uh, so So, yeah, I'd say I think he was really efficient, especially when he had Zach Wilson throwing the ball. But even in this past year, uh, he maintained some of that efficiency. And uh, maybe he's not the best receiver and he's like kind of that bowling ball. And I wouldn't say he's going to be an every down NFL back, but I like him more than the very much undersized James Cook, who has flashed but really only gets the bump because of his brother and having a G on his helmet.
0: Yeah, there's there is that i mean you know i was asking somebody i can't remember who and they were saying that you know look uh georgia always splits the carries look you know even deandre swift didn't get all the carries there and it's true and you know he, he seeded carries to all sorts of different scrubs along the way and and um so there's something to that but the undersized thing is a problem for me too i'm, I'm with you there he's not as big as dalvin uh you know dalvin was 215 220 he's 195 200 right so i mean that's a big difference um so yeah that's that that's kind of a problem what about what about sincere mccormick or zonovan knight
1: i'm not really interested in either okay uh, good. there we go uh, yeah. yeah i mean sincere was great like uh, for utsa um but again undersized doesn't really catch the ball enough for my liking at his size And uh, I think it'll be a day three guy that sticks on a roster, but is not really relevant for for fantasy. Yeah, no, Uh, I'm just...
0: what about what about Damian Pierce? I know he was a uh, you know a, a quote unquote winner from the Senior Bowl, but mm-hmm. man, he did so little at Florida. And you know, I've heard some people singing his praises, and then I went to look him up. I'm like, what what is this guy? Why are people talking about him? So, uh, do you have any anything there? Do you feel like uh, are you fading or, or buying into Damian Pierce? He
1: could surprise just because he's probably going to test decent at his size. Yeah, like his size, his size, speed, score is going to be okay. Um, like he doesn't even have to run very fast to have a decent speed score. So I think he's going to test well. Uh, and you know, guys like the, the film people really love him. Like P- his PFF grade is always really high. Uh, Cause he adds yards after contact and he's just got that mentality. Like he's going to stick somewhere and, uh, he could be a really good handcuff somewhere, even if he doesn't have really top tier, uh, draft capital. So he's somebody I'm, I'm fishing for in round four of my rookie drafts, but I'm not going to reach for him. Yeah,
0: this is, man, I could just keep asking you about dudes like, all right, now this guy, but we, we got to <laughs> end it at some point. But you, you now know why you want to, number one, go listen to Travis May uh, at Rotovis, and you probably now know why you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, FF underscore Travis M, because these are the types of things he just knows about. And uh, I was so grateful to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, say say sayonara to the fine people, and uh, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was it was great. I always love talking rookies. I mean, this is like my bread and butter. Like I I, I always do the uh, top one hundred rookie series uh, at Roto-Viz and I, I get the first one out like in November. And so I'm like, I start super early on this because like for the most part, I start on these players when they're freshmen or before because I'm a super nerd like that. Um, but you know, it's it's just a blast. But uh, if you want to find my work again at ff underscore Travis M on Twitter. Uh, check out the Road of Rookie Guide. That's got Curtis Patrick. That's got Sean Siegel, Brett Blair Andrews, Dave Cabin, and myself all uh, breaking things down by the numbers. Uh, a lot of fun there. And, of course, the College to Canton podcast with uh, my buddy, Stefan Leco.
0: Yeah, it's a good show, man. I, I do enjoy it. I listen to it. And, uh, you know, especially this time of year when I start to get into it. Uh, you guys are a great resource for me and for others. So, thank you so much for doing that show. And thank you so much for coming on. So, on behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of the single greatest producer in all the land, Michael P. Duncan, on behalf of the great Travis May, I am Jax Falcone. And we are out.